mad interesting to me. I was about to go to sleep and this just woke me up. you a minute ago about what does it mean to truly live in the moment and it's like um, it said be here now so it's like that's one of the things I freaking um, focus on in my life and some years ago you know once I was thinking about time and how everything is really just the infinite now time is really just the infinite now then the, the only place you want to be in is now so when you spend too much time thinking about like the future then that's leads to anxiety when you think too much about the past and that leads to depression and you know you know you should reflect and you should plan for the future but you can't get stuck in the past you can't get stuck in the future you know so but but it's really easy to do that and then that causes uh you know mental instability that causes um freaking insanity so like but and i just remind myself of this over and over again to 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 be into now you know be in now and you know try to take in the moment i feel like that's a form to be in now would that would, would be a form of you know to be present in something that doesn't exist which that's what you have to do in order to be people think like people always tell you man wake up and face reality you know, to, to, to face reality every day, to live in this reality that we live in is a mediocre fucking life. You you know what I'm saying? To be successful and to think and to be like the Elon Musk of the world, you have to think beyond what you see right now. You have to envision. You have to be, you know, and I feel like being in the now is being in that other realm of, of life and not this reality of what we call life. Mm. you know what i'm saying because if you're constantly living in reality and react and your reality is telling you that you'll never fucking be the guy that sends rockets to the to the fucking moon then you'll never fucking get there but if you think it and you believe beyond that and you imagine that and you know and and, and able to understand people calling you weird because they don't understand your thought process you'll get there one day and then you can shit on everybody else and not necessarily shit on them like in a bad way but hey you know chaka's sending rockets king in you know king chaka entertainment is going to space yeah you know that's your form of shitting on people you know but we're taught all the time oh man you need to live in your reality well if i live in my reality my my nine times out of ten my my reality is showing me that I won't be no, I won't, I won't be no better than this block that I live on. <laughs> like, you feel me? So I feel you, but but, and I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think that's what they really mean when they're talking about you know being in the now, because it's like really, because now constantly changes. Like even you constantly changes. Like they say, you never dip in the same river twice, and it's like you're not the same you twice. You know, even from one moment to the next, your cells are regenerating. You know, you everything is changing about you. Um, let me read some of this article right here. It says, the idea of impermanence forms a cornerstone of many Buddhist teachings, 
with the belief that everything in our life is impermanent and nothing lasts or stays the same, trying trying to grasp or hold on to the way things were or even the way things are today will only bring suffering because everything will inevitably change. This in it this is an essential and inescapable fact of life. Tides change, seasons change, times change, and people change. The way you're feeling in this moment as you read this is different from the way you were feeling an hour ago, and the way you will feel in an hour's time will be different again. Buddhists believe that welcoming impermanence opens up to the possibility of happiness in the present moment, and that there's always beauty to be seen and felt in life. Yeah. That's true, bro. Yep. Um, this one is talking about dreams. It says reoccurring dreams buried deep in your memory can be distressing but they can also reveal dynamic and valuable keys to the future so what do you think about like the reoccurring dreams that you have what meaning do they have do they mean anything to you do you think they have meaning i mean i feel like they do it's just sometimes trying to figure out what the hell it means is the trip you know but yeah and a lot of times, I think a lot of times your dreams could be your thoughts, even though you that thought didn't like you per se, you didn't think about that throughout your day while you were awake subconsciously, you actually were thinking about it and you go to sleep and then it's like it's replaying. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. So. I feel like your dreams do have meaning. I wanted to talk about memory freaking I'm looking for it but they I don't think uh, because I don't trust my memory and I think that people create memories and they mix them up and change them and they're not real and you just and then you believe it to be real and it it's it, it's really like I say it's a mental illness it's insanity it drives you crazy because you think it's something happened that didn't or you remember an event in a totally the wrong way. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find it. I thought I read something about that in here. Difficult memories can be helpful if you know how to decode them. That might what about if you go somewhere? Have you have you ever have you ever went to somewhere that to you it was like man it's my first time ever going here, but you go inside there and you're triggered by something and you like I was here before. Have you ever had that feeling? Yep. Like I, I have. And it's like that shit is weird as fuck, bro. It's kind of like where the fuck did that come from? Like all this shit is coming back to me. Um, Cause it's like that movie um, Inception. I think we do that to ourselves and even our family members, especially our close family members, like our parents, uh, 
and siblings. They do it to us. And sometimes the media does it to us, but the main ones who do it is ourselves and our close family members. And we, we create memories that aren't real, you know? Uh, and we twist memories up in a way that, that are not dirt. And, and a lot of times it's not helpful. Let me read a, um, doc, uh, Pat's comments. He says, living in the moment to me is deciding what I want to do in that moment. No worries. Yes, that's what it is. Um, he says, I had an opportunity to get all of the books offered my government and chief for the law. We have to talk. Plus, I want to do an album. Not sure if you got my message early. I don't think I did. I don't remember seeing nothing. Um, okay. Let, let me read a little bit of this. It says, how to leave the past behind. While some memories bring back difficulty or pain, difficult or painful experiences, they can help you lay the past to rest if you know how to decode them. It says, do you ever find yourself having a strong reaction to minor events in life? Perhaps a friend forgets to reply to your text message and you're suddenly terrified that you've done something wrong and the friendship is over. Or you're trying to tell a partner about your difficult day at work, but they, they're they stressed and not really listening, so you lose your temper. Psycho, psycho, psychologists often talk about the concept of transference and how past events can still loom large in some people's minds, affecting their present-day feelings. Psychologist David Rico, or Richo, author of When the Past of is Present, defines transference as an unconscious displacement of feelings, attitude, and expectations, perceptions, reactions, beliefs, and judgments that were appropriate to former figures in our lives, mostly parents, on to people in the present. See, like I say, parents, but they're not talking about what I was talking about. But anyways, what if the seemingly ignored text message reminds you of your father who left the family when you were young? What if the inattentive partner brings to mind a mother who never seemed to have time for you? David says that when people haven't healed from the past, they can unknowingly use their present day lives as a stage for reenacting such experiences. Humans have an unconscious drive to heal and recover, and so their choices are often not just about present-day preferences, but also about what happened to them when they were young. You might, for example, choose a quiet, distant partner who reminds you of your father, or a domineering best friend who brings to mind memories of an older sister. What do you think about that? Hmm. I, I never thought about it in that way, bro, honestly. That could very well be true, but I do I do think we have a, a subconscious way of trying to heal all the time without even knowing. And it comes out in weird ways and some of our behavior that's weird that people don't understand is us trying to heal from something that happened to us, a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. Pat says, when it comes to memories, in most cases, the actual events was probably worse than new memory, and the new memory is to protect yourself. Yeah. So, but that's just one, one example of how your memory can be twisted, and it'll be you or someone else around you who twists it. Because like I say, like your parents 
I'll be telling you something happened or this thing happened or whatever, and it'll be something that never happened. And they could they may not even be doing this on purpose. It's their memory was fucked too. I don't trust people's memories. I don't trust my memory at all. I know that I'll be recreating the damn thing that whatever it was that happened. I know for a fact I'll be doing that. So I don't trust my memories. That's why when people ask, I always be like, I don't remember. I'll be remembering, but I don't trust them enough to say them out loud. <laughs> um, let me read some more. It says, this transference can make it hard to see who people really are. It may be that you view partner. Wait. It may be that you view your partner as overly needy and demanding when actually you're projecting your mother's personality onto them. Or you perceive your boss as a bully when actually they're just doing their job. Sometimes transference means you see a problem in the present when ultimately all is well. <laughs> like we didn't create a problem that's not a problem just inside of our head. Now, how many times does that happen? Let me read some more. It says, honest assessment. It's not just about you, though. While all this is going on, your partner or friends may be projecting their own transference needs onto you in a process psychological term, counter-transference. This makes a complex web of relationships that can take a lot of untangling. What can you do about it? It can be quite daunting suddenly to realize your world may not be as it seems, that your feelings are not only related to the present, but also to the past hurts. It takes a willingness to open up and really look at yourself and your relationships in an honest way. It's deep emotional work, but it can be rewarding. As you notice and heal from a transference, you can leave the past behind and create a new vibrant life in the present. Yep. I feel that. I feel that. Let me see. It says the right stuff. Decluttering your life may be on a trend, but it's well worth finding space for things that remind you of treasured times and loved ones. Man, I just cleaned up pretty good this week. I was off yesterday and today, so I did a lot of stuff, man. I went to the cleaners. I went to the bank. I washed a bunch of clothes, cleaned up really good, walked in the park. It's funny that this thing said something about decluttering your life may be on trend. I don't know about that, but I noticed that when I do make things more organized around me, I think more clearly. I feel like your clutter around you is a manifestation of what's going on in your mind. You know, it's a physical manifestation of what's happening to mentally. So where you are in the physical real now is a mess, then mentally you're a mess. What do you think? Of, what do you think? Yeah, I feel that way too, man. Because like when you know that, like when shit is cluttered around you, bro, you get so you just like it's like you're frustrated. Especially if you find yourself needing to find something in that mo at that moment, and shit is everywhere. 
Like, so yeah, I, I'm 100% believe that you should, uh, yeah, De keep your life decluttered. Yeah. <clears throat> so what kind of ways, what do you do? What do you do to deal with clutter? What are some of your habits or, you know, uh, if rituals? Is, if it's like, if it, uh, for me, if there's a lot of clutter, like, I tend to just throw shit away. Yeah, I do the same thing. I you swear. Know, when like, I once I, when, I, just I do the same away. thing. When I get frustrated, if I'm if I cleaned up and I moved something from one spot to another more than once, and I'm like, man, just throw, obviously nobody's using this or whatever. It's obviously not being used. Just fucking chunk it. I don't know. I don't think I should yeah, do that exactly. though. It's a frustrated thing, and sometimes these things are useful things. But I just get frustrated, and I'll and I'll chunk it. I do that shit all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing, bro. Like I'll just throw the shit away. You know, I mean, and that's usually like for me. It's like, man, it's just, man, let's just throw this away. Like, are we truly using this stuff? You know. Whereas my wife, on the other hand, like she'll keep shit, and then like when, <laughs> you know, like. I'll be like, man, throw this shit away. Especially like if it's time to move. Like I, because for one like for me, I'm already like a minimal person. Like I like clean lines. I like to be able to see my walls. I like to be able to see the baseboard on my walls. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like that type of person. So it's like for me, I don't believe in having like a whole lot of furniture. I believe like, I believe in having purpose purposeful furniture. You know, shit that you know, it's not too much, but it's nice. It's kind of elegant, and it's just you know, clean lines, seamless. And I like, I agree with you all the way. And I like open spaces too. Like yeah, I like yeah, the I like center of the room. Open. Yeah. Be open. Yeah. I just feel more comfortable. I can breathe better. I can move better. Whatever you know. If you want, we want to wrestle on the floor. We can wrestle on the floor. You know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. Like do some yoga. Kinda, that's where I'm at with it. Whereas you got some people that like to have that have clutter and shit, bro. Like, but like I can't, I, I can't stand that shit. Like I, I like the, I like it clean. I like, you know, and I like subtle scents. You know, I don't, I like subtle, subtle scents like clean linen, linen. You know, like like subtle scents. Me too. I, that's why I like to burn candles. And that's why I hate those body sprays. I'll be smelling that and I'll be like, man, hate those body sprays. Yeah. They'd be so strong and obnoxious. Yeah. 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 I think body sprays was like a, like my middle school, high school days. Now I'm on Cologne. Like, I, I, I will not buy a can of X in this day and time of my life. <laughs> like nah, bro. Nah, I keep me some cologne, but I know people that still use Axe body spray. And I'm like nah, bro. I think it's just promoted really well. These commercials are have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, let's talk about memory a little bit more because that's always so interesting to me.
It says, all too familiar, it's an anomaly of memory that fascinates and disturbs in equal measure. And although scientific studies have sought to unlock the truth behind it, deja vu continues to mystify. It says, have you ever walked into a room and had the eerie feeling that you've been there before, although you know you haven't, or found yourself in the middle of discussion with someone and recalling having that same conversation with the same person some time ago? If so, you've experienced deja vu, a sense of familiarity with something that you know isn't familiar to you. Its French-derived name means already seen. Around 60 to 80% of people experience deja vu during their lives, but incidents are most common in those aged 15 to 25. Despite the fact that so many experience it, however, deja vu remains something of a mystery. And the term was first coined by French philosopher and researcher Emile Burork in 1876. While it was quickly touted as evidence of past lives by proponents of psychic phenomena, early psychiatrists and psychologists proposed different theories by way of explanation. Sigmund Freud, there go that guy again, for example, who established the theories of the therapy of psych psychoanalysis suggested it occurs when someone who was reminded of an unconscious fantasy being unconscious. The fantasy was blocked from awareness, but the sense of familiarity brought through and caused deja vu. That actually makes fucking sense. That's one thing I, I love and hate Sigmund Freud. He's so freaking annoying. He's definitely a creep. Like he was, he was definitely demented. But some of his stuff is on point. This is pretty on point. Um, he said, it reminds you of an unconscious fantasy. Being unconscious, the fantasy was blocked from awareness, but the sense of familiarity broke through and caused deja vu. So basically you fantasized about this event, like dreamed it. And then something very similar, or almost the same thing happens in real life. And then your brain triggers it as a memory of something that already happened but it hasn't already happened it was just that you kind of dreamed it yeah let me read some more it says a different theory was proposed by renowned psychiatrist carl jung and possibly arose from a personal experience during his first trip to africa while gazing out of the window of a train he felt as if he was returning to somewhere he had lived five thousand years ago he therefore suggested deja vu arose from tapping into the collective unconscious, which consists of fragments of collective human experience that are passed from generation to generation. Dozens of explanations have since been proposed, but more recently, scientific studies have shed fresh light on deja vu. I like that too. I really like that a lot because saying that, you know, it's a collective human experience, collective consciousness, I believe that the minds are connected and so what's wrong with us having a memory like our dna our freaking carbon that's in us all of this stuff definitely hold the water it holds memory so who's to say that we don't have memories from somebody you know that was in our lineage that came before us we yeah. definitely we def our our stomach definitely has memories of them because I I was reading about that I think I wrote a paper about it talking about how you your, your even your grandparents diet your great grandparents diet affects your health you know what I'm saying the stuff they ate affects your health your grandparents yeah. and great grandparents so if your body remembers what your great grandparents ate then who's to say we don't have some actual memories from them? That's uh, interesting. 
Uh, let me read some more. It says, what's known about the phenomenon is it's associated with temporal lobe elepsy. Elepsy. Epilepsy. Fuck. That's my dyslexia, y'all. It says, what's known about the phenomenon is its association with temporal lobe epilepsy. The temporal lobes are in the brain just behind your ears and are involved with the encoding of memory and processing of emotions, among other texts. People who have temporal lobe seizures sometimes experience deja vu before and during an episode. The role of the temporal lobes in the memory has led some researchers to ask whether the, they might also be responsible for deja vu in people without medical conditions. Long-term memories, events, and facts are stored in the temporal lobes, and it also helps with detecting familiarity and recognizing events. Some researchers therefore think it may involve a glitch in the brain where the nerve cells related to a recognition and familiarity fire at the same time, causing the brain to mistake the present for the past. Hmm. Let me read a little bit more. Another theory is that an information mismatch in the brain's pathway causes deja vu. For example, an unremarkable sensory experience like the smell of a familiar aftershave can create a richly detailed recollection complete with strong emotions. Deja vu could be linked to discrepancies in the brain memory systems leading certain sensory inputs to bypass short-term memory and head straight to long-term memory instead, producing the feeling that a certain moment has been experienced before. That makes sense too, because we know how like smells have so much impact on your memory. Like that's the things that you remember. It'd be the subtle things you remember more than like the main things. Cause you ever think about a major event that happened in your life and then you'd be like, it smelled like such and such or something, or, or maybe it was warm. Like I felt hot, like the temperature was hot. It, it, it'd be those little details like that, that you really remember very, very clearly. And then it'd be a moment where you have like, you smell a similar smell or the same smell, or you feel like a temperature or whatever, that's the same. And it'll bring back that memory. And then, so they're saying like your brain does like a glitch thing where you start thinking, you know, something happened. That's interesting. I, I, it's got my mind going. Hold on. Let me read some more. It says other research has suggested the brain uses deja vu to check the memories are correct. A 2016 study tested this by reading volunteers the linked words bed, pillow, night, and duvet. They deliberately left out the related words sleep. When volunteers were later asked if they heard the word sleep, they remembered that they hadn't. But at the same time, the word seemed familiar because of its relationship to the other words. This simulated a sense of deja vu. Hmm, I think they're kind of stretching right there. Um, I checking think they don't want to tell you that deja vu is actually you are it's a, it's a real memory bro i feel like it is i feel like it was it's a real memory from whoever you were before was there at that place in time and you and your brain was triggered i don't know that sounds weird but i felt like that <laughs> You meet someone you know and can't remember their name. It happens to us all. Thankfully, they are easy. Oh, whatever. I can't remember people's names for shit. 
Give me a second. Oh, there it is. I think this is what I was looking for. It says escaping the trap, filling the gaps of memory with your own narrative can become a habit. One that's worth keeping in check. That's what I was talking about. It says filling the gap of memory with your own narrative can be a habit. One that's worth keeping in check. And we all need to be aware of that shit. Because that makes us crazy. Let me see. Um, let me see. What are the first words that come to mind when trying to describe someone who's telling lies? Insincere, unfair, dishonest. Although lies and honesty are normally thought of as being at odds with each other and saying the opposite is likely to raise some eyebrows. Could it be that they're not always at the opposite ends of the spectrum after all? Hmm, dun dun dun. It says, confubulation. I've never seen this word before. Confubulation is a term that comprises the two. It's what the mind does when trying to make sense of the events in the surrounding world, which results in an honest lie. If this wasn't enough of a surprise, it also seems that these types of lies appear in communication between people more often than expected. An honest lie. Hmm, let me read that paragraph again. Confabulation is a term that comprises the two. It's the what the mind does when trying to make sense of the events in the surrounding world, which results in an honest lie. So you're trying to make sense of the events in the world and you tell an honest, I don't really get that. Come on, y'all, explain that. It says, what's a confabulation? To fully understand the term, it's important to begin by noting the weight that it carries within a medical setting. First used as a technical term by the German neurologist Carl Benhofer, Arnold Pick, and Carl Wernick in early 1900s, a confabulation is used in the context of memory disorders. In medical terms, it's a symptom of when a person fills in any gaps in memory with false information. In psychology, it seems as an error in recollection, as a result of which fabricated events are created. This is different from lying, as a person who confabulates is unaware of that information being false and sincerely believes it's true. Okay, now I understand. So they don't, they're not intentionally lying. And like I said, you, I don't trust my memory. So it's like somebody asked me what happened and then I try to tell them the story and then the story is wrong, but I don't know that it's wrong. I'm just telling you what my mind is telling you to tell you what the memory was. Even though my mind has already confabulated the memory and changed it and switched it up and filled in the gaps. And so I'm not lying to you, but still what I'm saying is not true. Wow, that's heavy. Let me read some more. It says, Brenny Brown, author and research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work, suggests that confabulation affects everyone and can be used as more regular term to describe a lie that's told honestly. This means that confabulation might impact your daily interactions more often than you think. These honest lies happen every time you try to explain behaviors of people around you by making up a narrative. Hmm, let me say that again. These honest lies happen 
every time you try to explain behaviors of the people around you by making up a narrative. So that sounds like racism a bit. That sounds like, um, you know, um, what do they call it? Prejudging people, prejudice. It's like you think that you know. You've given these people a narrative, and you think you know. You really believe it to be true. You think it's true. You're not lying. It's like, but you created this narrative for these people. You don't even know these people at all. <laughs> no. Let me see. It says, for example, do you remember a time when a co colleague failed to respond to your morning greeting and you were quick to assume that it was because they didn't like you? Or an occasion when you were interrupted during a meeting and you told yourself it was because your ideas weren't good enough? Perhaps a neighbor didn't even look at you when crossing paths and you were convinced it was because of that loud music you were playing that night before. All of these are examples of confabulations. You honestly believed all these explanations to be true when you were telling them to yourself or others. However, they were most likely lies. The colleague was daydreaming about the first cup of morning coffee. Your contribution during the meeting sparked a brilliant follow-up idea and the neighbor was rushing to get home on time and didn't notice anyone. Confabulations outside of its medical meaning can often be influenced by the psychological bias called a confirmation trap. In simple terms, this is one of the games that the mind plays when it looks for evidence to confirm existing beliefs or views instead of seeking reasons why they might be wrong. This bias is so strong that it can make you focus only on the evidence that reinforces these existing beliefs, blocking out anything that denies them without you even realizing that something is being overlooked. Research shows that even when the counter evidence is pointing out, a confirmation trap can make it very hard to change your opinion. I think this is what's happening and this is very, very, I'm so glad I read this. Let me read this paragraph that I just read one more time because they just said some shit right here. One more time. In simple terms, this is one of the games that the mind plays when it looks for evidence to confirm existing beliefs or views instead of seeking reasons why they make, why they might be wrong. Why you might be wrong, like the person, like me, what I'm thinking, like I might be wrong about this, but this is a mind trap to keep you from going down that road. It says, um, in simple terms, this is one of the games that the mind plays when it looks for evidence to confirm existing beliefs or views instead of seeking reasons why they might be wrong. This bias is so strong that it can make your focus only on the evidence that reinforces the existing beliefs. So you only want to hear it's like our bubble, our algorithm that we live in, our yes men that, that tells us what we want to hear. We only want to hear the stuff that we already believe to be true. Um, it says this bias is so strong that it can make your folk make you focus only on the evidence that reinforces these existing beliefs. So you're gonna you're gonna disregard all the other information that was given to you and just latch on on the parts that reinforces what you already believe. It says blocking out anything that denies them without you even realizing that something is being overlooked. So your mind is not not allowing you to realize that you're overlooking something. What do you think about that? Nah. 